1: On today's
0: podcast, we wanted to spend some time discussing machine translation, what it is, what the current state of the art is with it, and some of the limitations that it has. We have not done a podcast on this, and it has come up as a topic when we talk to customers and podcast listeners, so we want to spend some time today talking about it. At its core, machine translation is really just the process of using artificial intelligence to translate from one human language to another. And the concepts of this are fairly easy, right? You know, you think, okay, it's just translation. But actually, in practice, it's incredibly difficult. So for a computer to be able to understand what a human is saying and then translate it back into a different language is pretty difficult. And it's remarkable that we have gotten to the point where machines are able to do this with a fair amount of accuracy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you think about machine translation, you may be thinking some interesting ideas from science fiction, like, you know, Star Trek has its universal translator. If you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they have the babble fish you stick in your ear. And those are pretty, you know, fanciful. You know, I think that's the interesting thing is science fiction loves this idea of the ability to speak any language. You know, when you're watching a movie about aliens, you know, they're all kind of speaking English, which is kind of funny to begin with. But in general, you know, nobody has, you don't bring translators, you know, human or alien translators with you. You have the ability to speak in any language. But as Kathleen mentioned, you know, translation is really complicated because... Words are not precise. It's not like there's one meaning for every word. And when you translate from one language to the other, you're always using the same word in always the same way. You know, grammar is different in different languages, meaning and context. So that's sort of the problem we have here is that when you're asking machines to automatically translate, it misses a lot of the big picture. And we've talked about this earlier with the idea that voice assistants and technology just don't have common sense. And to a certain extent, you kind of need common sense to translate from one language to another, right?
0: Right. And so as Ron mentions too, you know, voice assistants don't have that. And so for the past two years, we've done a voice assistant benchmark. And one of the things that we benchmark on is common sense and are they able to understand things? And you can go back, we'll link to it in our show notes, the two benchmarks, but machines are not really good at that. So sometimes you think that these concepts and these ideas and the, it is fairly easy to do, but in actuality, it's not. Although, like I said, We have come quite some ways over the past few decades with improvements to machine translation. And we've gone from more of a rules-based machine translation to now actually using machine learning Uh for translation.
1: And some of the reason why we're here again with machine translation, we're talking about it in the context of AI, is because we can use a lot of the technologies that we've developed over the past few decades that are really helpful with machine translation. So the idea of things like natural language processing, so machines can understand parts of speech, can even understand what you're saying, translate waveforms into words, and then find patterns. And then also we have some interesting technologies. We'll talk about them later in this podcast of unsupervised learning, where systems can find patterns on their own which are interesting in the context of languages. And also the fact is we just have big data. You know, we have tons and tons of content down there. I mean, like we have everything from, you know, the news and the websites and email and voicemail and all this sort of stuff. We also have all the social media. So systems can actually have a large, what's called a corpus, which is a large body of text on which you could train things. So it's interesting. We're just at this point where once again, with AI, we have big data, computing and machine learning algorithms that are helping us solve a problem. Notably, this is still one of the more challenging problems for artificial intelligence.
0: Right. So as Ron mentioned, you need lots of data in order to be able to really understand speech and the way people talk and then be able to translate it. So. It should come as little surprise then that a lot of these large cloud vendors are really leading the way with some of this machine translation technology. So who are some of these vendors? Well, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, a lot of these companies that just deal with a lot of that data really are good at these machine translation capabilities. Mm -hmm. So as Ron mentioned, talking a little bit about these unsupervised learnings, well, Jan LeCun, I think that we've talked about him a few times on our podcast. He is a luminary in this AI space, and he works at Facebook. And so it's no surprise then that Facebook unveiled their unsupervised learning approach to machine translation. Right.
1: We're jumping ahead a little bit. So we will get there in just a little bit. So let's sort of back up, talk a little bit of kind of where we are right now with machine translation. So... We are really thinking about the, right now the, the sort of like the basic way that you can do machine translation is you could start with basically rules and you could think about like well you could think of general rules for words and you could try to translate words to words and especially when we're thinking about like very structured conversations like legal conversations, medical conversations where we have a very you can think of it almost like the language of medicine is kind of a dialect of English or a dialect of a language where it talks <laughs> about what's in a diagnosis and stuff. Those are actually kind of easier to translate because we have these rules. We have these structural rules of when you use words, and what order, and the kind of words you use. And so there's a form of translation called rules-based machine translation, which is really focused on Taking sort of as exactly as it sounds, like the rules for when words are used in certain orders and you translate them. Now, the thing about that is rules-based machine translation uses the intelligence of humans and it actually sort of predates AI or kind of separate AI, just like rules-based systems are not necessarily AI systems if a human is coming up with the rules, right? That they're useful and, you know, we've used them for a while. And this idea is like you have these dictionaries where these dictionaries keep track of sort of the words and the meanings in the various contexts. However, the thing about these dictionaries is that you can only do so much of them, especially as I mentioned, since words are not precise. I mean, they can mean different things like... Bias. (laughs) Bias. (laughs) Well, not just that, but just like, you know, just the word itself. No, it has
0: three meanings in artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah, like the word left is a great example I was thinking about. Like, you know, like, oh, John left, so there's nobody left. Or John left the door open, so he left, and now there's nobody left. It's just funny, because it's actually the same word left is used in three completely different contexts, right? It's like, okay, so John left the door open, and he left the room, and now there's nobody left. Well, how would you translate that into another language? Well, English has this word left, which is used in this way, but like, If you're translating this into Russian or Arabic or Chinese, each one of those words is probably something completely different. There's probably three completely different words that mean the direction and leaving and then also what's remaining. And so you can't really use these rules-based systems very well. So there's another sort of approach which is called statistical machine translation. And instead of just using dictionaries to translate, they kind of learn their translations by examining what's called bilingual text, or what's corpuses. They could say, okay, when I'm translating from English to French, when I'm translating from one language to another, when I'm trained that way, I can sort of use the t- statistics to say, oh, okay, well, in this context, between these kinds of documents, when I'm translating from this language to that language, you can have a much better accuracy rate. So imagine you're translating, let's say, press releases from you know English to French, and you're training it on a body of press releases that have already been translated, maybe by a human translator, from English to French. Well, over time, it'll, it'll be fairly accurate. And the thing about that is that, of course, they're very, they have limited context. Like, you know, you can't use that press release training for everything, right? You can't use it for a regular speech or translating phone calls or customer service inquiries or even between any two random languages. And I think this is sort of where we've been sort of stuck before, which is basically we either have these translation dictionaries, or we have these statistical approaches, but we can do a little bit better. And this is sort of where when Kathleen was bringing in this idea of the cloud vendors kind of been here and they're using this approach. So maybe, Kathleen, you could talk. Talk to us a little bit about, well, first of all, for our listeners, we hope you've been listening to all of our podcasts, but maybe you're not familiar with the concepts of supervised learning and unsupervised learning, and of course, there's reinforcement learning, which we won't actually bring up in this podcast. But maybe, Kathleen, let's bring them up to speed on those two concepts and then bring in what Facebook has done here with unsupervised learning.
0: Sure. So supervised learning is where you're learning with repetition. And so it's, you normally, you have large amounts of good labeled clean data and you are teaching the machine what it is. So if you are giving it cat images, you're saying this is a cat, this is a cat, this is a cat. So it's supervised learning. Unsupervised learning is where the machine discovers for itself with the data what's going on. So you don't have labeled data and you are just letting the system figure out patterns and discover for itself.
1: Yeah. So, of course, with supervised learning, you have to have training data. That's that's the key. That's what the supervision is. It's the training. The machine is basically, the human is providing this training data and saying, this is what this is. And then really all the machine learning algorithm is doing is is kind of remembering that over time and generating these patterns. So that way, when it sees data that has never seen before, it's going to apply the label that basically is the best match based on that training data. With unsupervised learning, you're basically clustering, you're finding these groupings, The system is identifying and finding these groupings among the data, and there's lots of different algorithms for that. So the idea that Facebook came up with not too long ago was the idea that, let's just say, let's just ignore, for example, the specifics of the word meaning. So if we look at, think of the word cat, you know, let's not think about what the word cat actually means, right? And we're not going to use a dictionary of any sort or some try to derive a meaning. We're just going to, let's see if we can just map the relationship between the word cat and other cats, based on how often they're used together, their sort of distance, you know, uh, lexical distance, you know, when their two words are used together. So you might have the word cat is sort of closely related to feline, is related to, you know, animal, to pet. And then sort of as you go farther and farther along, the word cat may be kind of distantly related to the word boot, maybe very, very distantly related to the word sandwich. You know, as you kind of go along, you can like, you know, at some point the word cat is not related to some very random word or very, very, very loosely related to it. And if you sort of map out the relationships between all the words, so you take the graph of every word and its relationship to every other word, and then those relationships to other words, you kind of have this like picture, if you think of it, it's like this sort of like little graph of how all of these various words are related to each other. What Facebook and others realized is that if you sort of overlay this graph, this relationship between all the words on top of another one from another language, so you say you do the same thing in a different language, you do it in Arabic, you do it in Urdu, you do it in Spanish, you do it in, French and Japanese and Mandarin Chinese, and you, you create the word relationships for each one of those languages, and you overlap them on top of each other, you might find that the patterns are pretty similar. Because even in Mandarin Chinese, cat and feline and, and pet are have a close affinity with each other and not the same affinity with some of these other words. And using that in combination with other techniques, so it's not used by itself, but using it in combination with the techniques really greatly has increased the accuracy of these translations. And you might find that when you are on Facebook and somebody says Mm -hmm. something in another language and you hit the little button that says, please translate that, it's actually not doing a terrible job.
0: (laughs) Right. For the most part, it's pretty accurate. I've seen that some of them, I'm just like, wow, I have no idea what they're saying. But other ones, I'm like, okay, I could totally make sense of that. And you know, that's pretty remarkable and shows just how far we've come. Now, we talked about some of the cloud vendors out there that are really doing a lot with this. But in addition to them, there's also a lot of other vendors out on the market who maybe specialize in different types of translation services. So we have some vendors that specialize in, you know, maybe just translating professional documents. So as Ron mentioned, you know, if you have healthcare documents or you have legal documents, they kind of follow their own script. And so you can have companies doing that. We also have some companies that do keep a human in the loop as well. So the machine will do some translation, but then there's a human in the loop as well so that it's more of an augmented intelligence role, not fully replacing the human, but just augmenting what the human can do. So... Then you say, okay, well, these are great. Why would I want to use these? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you would want to use it. You know, some of these services allow you to save a lot of time and money because you don't need to hire staff that can do the translation for you. Also, maybe these are one-off jobs and you just need something translated one time and you're not going to need it to be repeated. So those are some reasons why people would want to do that. Also, if you have documents, you know, marketing collateral, and you are moving into new markets and you want to get that translated, these are great ways to go about doing that without having to hire somebody who's fluent in multiple languages to go ahead and do that. So while these are not perfect, machine translation is becoming increasingly reliable in the past few years. It's really been a lot more reliable than it has in the past. Yeah. And so we're starting to see some really good machine translation out there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because you can kind of use translation as a little bit of a proxy for how far has AI really gotten. It's funny because we don't hear as much these days. About people worried about the super intelligence, (laughs) the singularity. It's kind of funny. When we were like just turning out this podcast three years ago now, you know, people were were like still freaked out about like the paperclip optimizer and like, oh no, it's going to happen. And the reason why I think those voices, they're, they're still there. Don't get me wrong. People are worried about the runaway intelligence, but I think people have realized that AI has some serious limitations and that like if you can barely get, you know, Alexa and Siri to understand what you're trying to say, then there's like, you know, the dangers of the takeover. Of the robot are highly overestimated, you know? And I think we can use, if you're really curious to see how far we're getting from AGI and some of these other things, we'll use machine translation as a really good way of seeing how far we've gotten. Because if machines can understand the nuances of speech and they can understand sort of what you mean by what you say and understand it correctly, okay, now we're getting into a point where if machines can actually understand what you're trying to say, then maybe we've sort of crossed some sort of threshold. But we are. We're still pretty far from that, you know, but we're, we're, we're very far from the days when you can truly have a system that understands what you're saying and then translate that in such a way that somebody else who doesn't speak that language also understands what you're trying to, to say. But in the, in the meantime, right. and from a professional perspective, we're getting pretty close. Yeah,
0: I know. Ron always likes to make the joke. And on our podcast, he does a lot. He goes, have you talked to Siri lately?
1: <laughs> right, exactly.
0: <laughs> or, or substitute Siri for any other name, Alexa, any of them. And as we always like to point out with our voice assistant benchmarks, we have done it for two years now, and they continue to get failing marks. They are great at certain things, but overall, you know, there's still a lot of limitations. And that's, you know, we're talking about machine translation specifically on this podcast, but the voice assistant benchmark touches upon some other areas as well. So as far as AGI, artificial general intelligence, and that idea of the super machine, yes, we are far from that. But, Mm. you know... It is important to talk about where we are with machine translation and how this can be applied across a wide variety of different industries and where we are, what's the best practices right now, and, you know, how this can be applied.
1: Right. So, I mean, I guess a couple of final words here, because to talk about sort of like where the limitations are and sort of where we can take a look at for research, it'd be kind of interesting to see people do research in this area. And that is that, you know, the hardest parts for machines to understand are things like literary works or fiction or, you know, humor or sarcasm, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> um, these are very human things because we have create, you know, when you're doing fiction, you're doing creativity and you may just be describing something that may, may make no sense. To a machine, it's like, you know, why is there a unicorn dancing on the moon? It's sort of like, I said that, that's exactly what I mean, because it's a fiction. It's, you know, exactly what... Or, or sarcasm, <laughs> which is like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to do that. Versus like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to do that. It's actually tone really matters, matters quite a bit. You know, sometimes it's really funny. Like there are words that are like offensive in certain languages that are not offensive in others. Like in Japanese, you know, calling someone an octopus is apparently offensive. From what well, like,
0: honestly, even British English to American English, there are words that in American English are like, oh, whatever. And in British English are offensive and yeah, vice versa.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, I, I, we won't use some of these words because they may be But like, you know, like, you know, their words, the, the British word means cigarette and in American uh, English, it, it does doesn't. not mean cigarette. And I will, Well, and of... even
0: boot, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, where it's like, could be a trunk. When I think of boot, I don't think of a trunk. I think of an actual like shoe and even things like that where mm-hmm. are we talking the same language?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And that's because Language is imprecise. And that's part of the problem, right? Language is imprecise. So I think sort of like final word here is that, you know, for those who depend on translation as part of their business or as part of their organizational, you know, necessity, you're in a government agency and you're required to translate. There's some in the United States, there are many regions that you have to translate documents into many multiple languages because you have citizens that need to speak those languages. And there's a requirement to cover, you know, maybe not just English and Spanish, but maybe many any other languages, Chinese and Vietnamese and Hmong, depending on where you are. French, if you're up, you know, northern, you know, so, you know, Canada, it's well multilingual. And the reason why people are interested in machines to this is just because of the, to be honest, because of the cost. You know, and also because of the complexity and the time. It's like, if you have a document mm-hmm. that you need to get out there and it needs to be simultaneously translated into 10 languages or 12 languages, and it's very important. I'll say it's a health document. You're trying to get the word out about, you know, saying like, oh, businesses are closed at five o'clock on Friday and you, you can't only communicate that in one language. You need to communicate in 10. You're going to have to, you know, on the pronto, get translation. And this is the reason why people look at machines. this because it can expedite that, but it has to be accurate. <laughs> you can't be getting the wrong information out there. Right? Right. You well,
0: I meant to say five, but it really translated to seven. Right. Like that's a really big difference. Yeah. Why are they
1: te- Why are they telling me that the fish is open at five? It doesn't mean anything to me. What well, the fish is open at five? What is that supposed to mean? So this is why it's important. So for those who are looking at this from a business perspective, you know the things that seem to be getting the most uh, traction are not just some of these automated systems, but the human accentuated ones, the augmented ones. We think that's probably going to have the most immediate impact translation systems that are then sort of front-ended by a human to verify whether that actually does make sense.
0: Yeah, and you know, as Ron mentioned earlier, we're very interested in people who are doing research on this topic, so if any of our listeners are doing that, we encourage you to reach out so that we can have more in-depth, conversation with you and see where things are, and also be a possible guest on our AI Today podcast. So please reach Mm -hmm. out. And listeners, as always, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, and we encourage you to check out bonus episodes of the AI Today podcast at AIToday.live. So please make sure to go there. We have done some incredible interviews lately and we would really encourage you to check them out. So again, that's AIToday.live. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group.